0: Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento, and man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it, so get ready to receive from God today. All right, all right. Good morning, Project Church. Good to see you. Thank you that you all came to celebrate me and Caleb's Uh, 12-year anniversary. Appreciate that. It's a really special day. Just kidding. You're not here for us. I know. We're here for Jesus. But can you guys believe we are truly standing in the middle of a miracle? We're standing in a building that only God could have provided. That, And you know, honestly, there was no better time to have planted a church or, excuse me, built out a church than COVID. And some of you might be thinking, what? Like, yeah, we're getting to figure out all the kinks now, take our time moving in. It's not like people can be here right now anyways, right? And so there's a miracle. God's timing is perfect. And for you on the other end of that camera and here in the room, if you're in our live audience, God wants to remind you that he's a miracle-working God and that some of you might have experienced similar delays that we've experienced with this whole build-out where there may have been some delays, some permit issues, and some of you in your life are thinking about there's a permit issue there. there my husband has, is detouring us over there, and there's a timing issue over here. But God wants to carry out the promise he has for your life. We are standing in a promise. I'm preaching in the middle of a building that was a promise of God that he spoke to our hearts seven years ago. And I'm thankful, and I'm telling you to hold on and trust that God's going to bring you to your promise because that's who he is. He keeps all his promises. He's a man of his word. We can trust him. Amen? Amen. Well, great to have you all here. Great for um, to have you all joining us online. I'm so excited to continue our series. We're talking about Family Matters. Family Matters. Did you enjoy that video too? Yeah, hit emoji for your favorite person, probably like the second person who was shooting hoops. She was awesome. Um, But I'm really excited about all that we've been talking about. The first week, if you didn't hear it, um, we talked about spiritual leadership. We can't have a healthy family unless we're leading ourselves spiritually well. And if we want to lead others, then we're going to have spiritual leadership in our lives. Second, we have to understand how to have some healthy communication. If we want a healthy family, then we want to have some healthy communication, right? Right. And so if you didn't listen to those messages, you can jump back online, YouTube. All our previous messages are on there. Make sure you check them out because I really do believe that it was a predecessor to what we are talking about today. And I'm talking about part one with two parts of healthy relationships. We're not going to have healthy relationships, all relationships, marriage, husband, wife, child, parents, just friendships. If we don't see God for spiritual leadership, and we don't have some great tools for communication in those relationships, right? And so I'm excited to talk about part one, and it's avoiding toxicity and bringing life. Healthy relationships, part one, we're talking about avoiding toxicity and bringing life. So if you're taking notes, the Bible talks a lot about toxic relationships, You know, sometimes we think that these buzzwords that are coming out and people are posting every other second about toxicity and um, feeling like they're super woke about how relationships should be handled because they are aware of who are toxic people and who are not. You know, um, before that all happened, the Bible was talking to us about toxic people. It says this in 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Toxic people... Toxic company ruins good morals. Who's your company? Who's keeping you company? Romans 16, 17 through 18, it says this about toxicity. I appeal to you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid them. Let me summarize, avoid toxic people. Avoid toxicity. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. You know, toxicity can look like a lot of different things. In a relationship, it can look like lack of support for the other person. It can look like communication that's sarcastic, critical, hostile, and eventually avoiding important conversation, that's toxicity. Jealousy, controlling behaviors that actually ends up becoming abusive behaviors. Resentment, that's a huge one. That's toxic. Patterns of disrespect, constant stress and stress in a relationship is toxic. Ignoring another person's need, ignoring your kids' need, ignoring your husband's needs, ignoring your wife's needs. This is toxicity. Lost relationships. Sometimes you can get into a relationship and be so wrapped up in that relationship that you forget all the other important relationships and you isolate. That's toxic. When you aren't caring for yourself and you don't have that spiritual leadership and you're not asking God about how you guys are doing, there's lack of self-care. Because if you're not doing good with him, you're not probably doing good with just yourself. Or if you're not doing good with him, you're only taking care of yourself. That's toxic. Let's really understand what self-care means. And if you're constantly hoping for change and things will change, it'll happen. He'll change. She'll change. The relationship will change. And you're constantly hoping 20 years later there's probably some toxic stuff happening there. Walking on eggshells. Are you walking on eggshells in any of your relationships? Probably some toxicity happening. And so here's the thing. You're like, okay, Chrissy, you're going to tell me who are the toxic people in my life. I'm going to identify them. I'm going to put them over there and over there and just go. Just get them away from me, and I'll just be free and pure. We're going to identify the toxic people, right? But here's the thing. When we think that just the people around us is toxic and we cancel them, then we actually don't realize that there's toxicity in ourselves. Every single one of our hearts, according to the word of God, says that we have deceitfully wicked hearts. There's toxicity in Everywhere, So let's not be the virtue signalers that are identifying the toxic people and saying, I cancel you because you're toxic. Because you know what happens as soon as you cancel and avoid those hard conversations and the toxic people is you've had them so spread out away from your life that you are actually alone. That you're actually divided from the body. You're divided from other people. And I'm really talking to the church here. If you are not willing to have some conversation with people in the church because they are toxic and you have not yet recognized the toxicity in your own life, I believe that you are just becoming an isolated person. And sometimes when we're isolated people, we surround ourselves with people who are like us and believe like us. And then it just kind of becomes a form of self-worship. Because people are just tickling our ears and helping us understand how great we think. I love when I hear, ooh, ooh, ooh. That means, that means that, you know, the Holy Spirit is pricking us. Because I'm telling you, when I wrote this message, Holy Spirit was pricking at my heart. We got to recognize that toxicity divides and destroys Toxicity divides and destroys. And I don't know if you remember the first verse that we talked about, the theme verse of this series, Family Matters, is this, Psalm 68.6. God sets the lonely into families. Some of us don't realize that by canceling everybody else around us, That we're actually lonely. And when we can get into our room at the end of the night when the day is over, whether we're married or whether we're single, whether we live in a house full of people or we live by ourselves, if we can get alone with God and ask him, how do I feel right now? Where's my satisfaction level? I think a lot of us actually stop and think, man, I'm kind of lonely. And I wonder, I wonder if God is the God who sets the lonely into families that we should only be satisfied in him, him alone, that whether if somebody's with us physically or not, we're actually never lonely because we have healthy relationship with God. And when we have healthy relationship with God, then we invite his family to come around us and then we're even healthier because there's people around us. We're not lonely. We need to get to the point where we recognize that there's toxicity in our own hearts. So let's not separate from everybody and let's actually deal with the toxicity in the body of Christ. Deal with the toxicity of the person. Deal with that hard conversation. Sometimes toxicity looks like avoiding real conversation. Sometimes toxicity looks like denying that there's a problem. Sometimes toxicity can actually look like leveraging yourself over somebody else and that's just prideful. And you're trying to get yourself a step above that other person. Or you falsely say, I'm just going to humble myself and not talk to them and go over here and just blah. You're separating. You're dividing. You're dividing the body of Christ. Toxicity divides, just like it says in Romans 16. For those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that we have been taught. We've been taught to be the family of God. We've been taught to allow the father of our souls, the creator of our personhood to bring us together and to be a part of community. We were not created for isolation. We were created for the family of God. So today, now that we've stepped on a few toes, I want to give us something exciting to talk about Something to listen to. Let's let the word of God shape some of these things that we've just been throwing out on social media, like toxic relationships, get the toxic people out of our life. No, deal with the toxicity in yourself and let invite the people that God is calling you to who are toxic into relationship with you because God doesn't want them to be toxic anymore. But we're going to get real positive. Avoid toxic relationships to fulfill the life-giving purpose that God has for you. Hebrews 10, 24, and this is kind of something that I really want us to camp on and have it in our minds through the end of this message. Hebrews 10, 24, it says, and let us consider how to stir up in one another, stir up in one another to love and good works. We're not going to be able to accomplish that that calling to stir up in one another the good works and love if we're isolated from everybody. God has called us to stir up one another and build life-giving relationships, bring life into the relationships that you have and that God has blessed you with. And so today we're going to talk about how we can nurture life-giving relationships. Number one, first we need to remind ourselves remind yourself of god's purpose for your life you know you need to be reminded not just of your purpose but reminded be reminded that god's purpose for your life is not always a destination it's not always a place it's not a relationship it's not a status god's will and god's purpose for you is a process it's a process And that's the reason why we name Project Church, Project Church. We're all a work in progress. And God's will for our lives, God's purpose for our life is to give him all of our worship. Give him everything of us. So whether we reach a destination or not, whether we reach a goal or not, we can still be in his perfect will, perfect purpose if we're allowing him in the process. But we need to remind ourselves of God's purpose for our life. And God's purpose and plan can only be known when we know how God sees us. When we can clarify the purpose, clarify his, if the way he sees us, then we'll know which direction to go in our lives. 1 Peter 2.9, it says this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I'm I'm, I'm like, you probably have heard that before, but I want you to say every time I I list something about you, you got to say, that's me. I'm going to read it again. All right. Here we go. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people for his own possession. I hope you were doing that at home on your couch. And don't repeat after me anymore (laughs) because I'm going to just finish out the verse. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The very fact that God has pulled you out of darkness into his light was God's purpose and God's plan for your life. There you go. You're on the right track. If you recognize and and say, okay, okay, you brought me out of this. You brought me out of darkness into your light. Some of us have not seen ourselves as kings and queens of the most high God, right? Some of us have not seen ourselves as we actually are. You are chosen. You are royal. So start acting like it. Royal people that are worthy of being followed, don't just dismiss the people around them. They bring people in, they lead people. You are chosen, you're a royal priesthood. Understand, remind yourself of God's purpose for your life. Second, you gotta regard God's purpose in others' lives. You're like, whoa, what? I was just getting through like my purpose. And that I'm royal, and that I'm a queen, that I'm a king, you know, where I am this great person. But sometimes we attribute people as toxic because we don't recognize that they, too, are chosen, called by God, a royal priesthood. And they, too, need, whether maybe already have been brought out of darkness into light or need to be brought out of darkness into light. We can't leave them where they're at. Do you understand if we understand that God has a purpose for us, then we're going to do what Hebrews says. We're going to stir up one another to love. We're going to stir up one another to good works. We're going to stir one another up to get out of darkness and go into the light. That's our purpose. That's their purpose. That's all of our purpose. Now, if the church could just do this and we could do that well and we can love one another well, what a testimony that would be. What a testimony that would be. They will know me by the love they have for one another, is what Jesus says in the Gospels. Now, if we're avoiding everybody and if we're labeling everybody toxic and unhealthy and just not good for us, are we being a great testimony to the rest of this world? Are they being brought out of darkness into His perfect light? Remind yourself of God's purpose for your life and regard God's purpose for other people's lives. Third, if we're going to nurture life-giving relationships, we're going to root ourselves and our relationships in healthy soil. Congratulations, all of you who are watching, all of you who are are in the room, live audience, you are rooted in healthy soil. I'm just going to say that and claim that in Jesus' name. I believe that there's healthy soil here. And it says this. I love what it says in Psalm 92, 13. And if you are looking for a church home, I'm telling you, wherever it is, if it's not even here, wherever it is, please find a place to be rooted because when we're planted in the house of God, we flourish. You know, I'm truly believing that this division that happens in In society, this division that happens in churches and all this division that is caused by toxicity has really fallen into the church and made us feel like we're just always going to be divided. But there is no institution on earth more equipped or more capable of bringing transformation to the cause of reconciliation and rebuilding lives where toxicity has torn down and tarnished than the church. The church is the hope of the world. And when you are planted in it, you will flourish. That's what it says in Psalm 92.13. It says, they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. Every age, every stage, bearing fruit. They are ever full of sap and green. Green is my favorite color. Green gives me a lot of life. I love green, but unfortunately, I don't have a green thumb. If I'm being completely honest, I have killed one too many succulents. You know what they tell me on all of my Instagram? Like, you know how they can really actually hear us, and they like if you talk about plants and you want plants, you're going to get all this advertisement for plants. Scary. Do, 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 do. Did I hit that no Just kidding. Here's the thing: I am not a green thumb, and they always say, you know, just buy a snake plant. You can't kill a snake plant. And so, as I was, you know, preparing for this message, I'm in my living room admiring my plant that I have not watered in probably three to four months, if I'm being completely honest. But there's two little sprouts, sprouts, stems, rooted things coming out that are snake plant-ish. So it's one snake plant, but maybe there's three. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a green thumb. I don't know how to say it. But there are two that are fully alive. And as I'm preaching this message, I'm just like, man, I wish I was a green thumb so I could talk about the garden that we have with all the herbs and I'm feeding my family from the fruit of my labor. And, but nope, I just have a snake plant that's getting by, that's not being watered. And I noticed the third little snake plant, sprout, root, whatever it's called, stem, thank you, is brown. Brown and tarnished and disgusting, falling apart. And I'm like, oh my word. Maybe when I watered it, I was just kind of watering the front, and then the two just kept growing. Then again, I just hadn't watered very long and so long that one of them was bound to die, right? And then I thought, you know, how many people are coming to church every single week? How many people are tuning in online every single week, and they don't actually have roots, and they don't actually receive from the watering of the word but they're just around a lot of christians they're just around a lot of people who call themselves christians they're just around the works of christianity they're just around the events of christianity they're just posting the right scriptures and look like they're a part of the community but they're not actually planted and they're not actually choosing to be watered and receiving a watering and they hide behind The other people around them who are sowing into the word, they're reading the word, they're joining community, they're giving, they're serving. It got really quiet. HVAC and you all are quiet. I'm just going to just trust the Holy Spirit speaking, right? Jesus speak. No. But I do wonder if some of us are actually rotting and we have signs of life. But before you know it, you're just this brown, broken, rotting snake plant in Chrissy's living room. It's really unfortunate. It's a really cute planter box that it's in. But sometimes I think we do that. We just wrap ourselves around in the right things. We look good. And before you know it, we're way deader than we ever thought that we could be. We thought we were fine. We were around everything. We're close to everything. We're consistent with everything. Say rooted, root your relationships in healthy soil. Next, if we're going to build life-giving relationships, we need to rid ourselves of toxicity. Rid yourself of toxicity. You're like, well, duh, isn't that the message? Like, (laughs) avoid toxicity. I want to give you something practical, and it's just another verse. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. It's the key to ridding, of our, ridding ourselves of toxicity. Do not be anxious about anything. Let me tell you right now that anxious thoughts are toxic thoughts. The moment we allow them to take root in our minds, it kills off things in our brain that help us develop healthy thoughts. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things things. Think the good thoughts. Think the lovely thoughts. Think the thoughts that give God praise. And when you are worried about something, I'm not saying you're not allowed to worry. Please don't be faker's who just say like I'm fine, everything's fine, everything's and then you fall apart. You're not fine. It's okay to not be okay. I know everybody says that. But truly it's not. But if we really want to get those toxic thoughts out of our mind, we're not going to deny that there's a problem. We're not going to deny that we have worry. We're going to give our worry to the one who can actually take care of us and who can actually give us peace sometimes we're just are searching for peace and we think that at the end of our anxiety at the end of our worry that we're going to find it but at the end of our worry at the end of our anxiety is only more toxic thoughts and more taking us off the path that God has for us We're not going to discover all that God has for us in our life, in our relationships, if we hold on to the toxic thoughts. But it says, with prayer and supplication and making your request known to God, the one who can give you peace, he will give you peace. He will give you peace. And finally... Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, think on the good things. Think on the things that give God praise. When there were delays, Caleb and I were like, thank you that we're even going to have a building. Thank you that the office is at least done. When we're waiting on the permit for the coffee shop, praise Jesus, the coffee shop permit came. We you know, we're like, but thank God we have an office. But thank God we can do the auditorium. Some people are thinking, man, we can't meet as a church. Well, thank God that we can do online. Put your thoughts on things that are above, not on earthly things. God is making a way when there seems to be no way. And there's always something to praise him for. There's always something to give him thanks for. Let's get rid of the toxic anxiety and worries and give them to him. I'm not saying that you're not gonna have them. Just give them to him. Take them out. And when you take thoughts captive, it's not like you do it on your own. You like lasso them and you throw them up to God and he takes them captive for you. So rid yourself of toxicity. And confess, if you're having issues with anxiety, if you're having issues with worry, can you please write down on your mirror, on an index card, in your car, in your, on your mirror, Philippians 4, 6. Present everything to him, and he will give us peace. Next, if we're going to nurture life-giving relationships, we're going to reconcile some brokenness. Reconcile some brokenness. C.S. Lewis says this, to be a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And also write down Ephesians 4:32. Listen, God's forgiven us. He's forgiven us. That's that's what he did. That was his whole plan. That was everything that we are living for today. The church is living for. We are forgiven. Reconciliation is His job. Reconciliation is His nature. Reconciliation was a plan from the very beginning of. That's His plan. So, what does reconciliation look like? Of brokenness, it's it's removing toxicity, but a lot of it's forgiveness. And sometimes it's not forgiving others. Sometimes we're so others-focused. I know you probably heard this, and you're like, healthy relationships. I can't wait to take notes, and take notes on what I can tell my partner, what I can tell my child, what I can tell my coworker, what I can tell my boss. And it's like, no, some of the things that we just have to take inventory in our own hearts and handle some stuff in there. And healthy relationships kind of start when we decide to forgive. When we decide that the brokenness is not always in the other person, but there's brokenness in us. The toxicity is not always in the other person. It's also in us. Caleb and I always say this when we're talking to people about marriage, that there are times that we have arguments. I mean, maybe one or two happened in the last 12 years. Maybe. Just kidding. Lots. Discussions, some heated, some just you know, normal talk. But here's the thing that we identified, that we are committed to forgiving whatever percentage we can forgive. Now, hear me on this. There are times where we are 50-50 wrong. He's wrong 50%, I'm wrong 50%. Other times, he's 80% wrong, 20% wrong. More often times, me, 80% wrong and then 20% wrong. But we've committed to for, to saying sorry for the things that we can actually say sorry for. Because here's the thing, some of us are just like waiting for the other person. Dude, I'm seeing this also in, like, politics. We're just waiting for the other side to understand how messed up they are when they can really just go back to us and be like, well, there's a lot of things that messed up in you. You know, we just need to acknowledge any toxicity or imperfection. Why is that hard? Can we just acknowledge that there's something wrong that we may have done that we can confess and that will give the other person, whether they're 80, 20, 10, 5, 2, or 99.9% wrong, it will give them the freedom to forgive, and maybe even the freedom to say sorry as well. But here's the thing. We don't apologize and we don't, we don't ask for forgiveness expecting anything in return. Because, because Christ, God has already forgiven our inexcusable. So if people don't acknowledge their stuff, we can, we can, we can forgive them for that. Because God's already led in that example. He's already done that. So how are we going to nurture life-giving relationships? Yes, we're gonna reconcile brokenness, but reconciling brokenness also leads us to a point where we need to receive healing, receive healing. You know, when I think about the things that I mess up on at home, it's like, babe, I'm sorry. It was that time, I'm not gonna fill in the blank. (laughs) Some of you got it. Girls, I think you're thinking what I'm thinking, but I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I was really easily irritable, or it's like, honey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I yelled at you, or I'm sorry I'm late. I'm sorry to my friend, I'm sorry that I I am late again. (laughs) And it's like, it's okay, you're totally fine. And then they just say, Caleb says to me, honey, it's fine, I understand what's going on in your mind and your body. (laughs) He's like, I forgive you. And then Canaan at times, and my kids at times, (laughs) I forgive you, mom. I know you're really stressed, and I know the house is a mess. And then my friends, Chrissy, it's okay. I know you. You're always (laughs) late. And when they throw the word grace to me, oh, the relief that comes over me is the relief that we need to feel when we recognize that we are rotten and toxic people. That only the grace of God can cover and heal and wash away all the guilt, shame toxicity when we can just get to the point where we can receive healing from the almighty God whose plan from the very beginning of time was truth and grace everything changes everything changes I'm reading a book right now and it says what happens when women say yes to God but guys don't worry this is for you too Lisa Turkhurst and she talks about two gatekeepers of grace Essentially, there are two things that keep us from receiving grace in our lives, from receiving healing in our lives. And she says this, I've tasted their laced fruit, and though I'm aware of their poison, I also crave their sweetness. She's talking about acceptance and rejection. In my flesh, I desire the praises of acceptance and the excuses of rejection. Go with me on this I'm just gonna read a little bit of it because I can't say it any better it says the limelight of acceptance shines on the pride that is yet to be driven from my heart the thought that I am really something denies that reality it denies the reality of that but for the grace of Christ I am nothing the ease of settling for less is the pull of rejection when I listen to rejection I shrink back and pull inside myself. I no longer want to press on. I want to quit. The thought that I am really nothing eclipses the reality that because of the grace of Christ in me, I am a treasured something. Do you hear that? We so desire acceptance and we so resent rejection that sometimes we can't receive the grace that God has for us. It's a, it's a bad fruit of our lives when we seek acceptance and despise rejection and don't understand God's grace. It says this in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For grace... For by grace we are saved through faith. Grace is all you need. And you know, if before you fix anything horizontally, we need to fix something vertically. And we're going to say that every week. And I know we're talking about relationships. But this relationship with God is the most important relationship that you can have. And when things aren't fixed there, when we're not receiving healing there, then we're not receiving healing here or giving healing or giving forgiveness or offering any humble humility in our relationships we got to get to the place where we receive healing by receiving God's good grace so let me close with this you might be thinking okay 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 life nurturing relationships i have to do this i have to take care of this and me great these things that i can work on i know how to avoid toxicity i know how to i know how to you know build life-giving relationships and nurture them. I have those those points. But listen, it's more than you just having a good time without any weird, awkward moments at church. It's also less about you finding like that sisterhood that you need so you can have that Saturday brunch that you've always wanted to. It's less about you finding friends. It's less about you finding the perfect group of people that you can hang out with because I already told you this we even without anybody we don't ha- we're not lonely when we have God and God alone And then he brings people into our life. We don't have to worry about that. But the goal is not for us to just have these flowery, fun relationships that we can do weekends with and go on trips with. It's not about that. It's about a greater mission that God has us on. And this is what it is. It says, let us consider how to stir one another up. Stir one another up to love and good works. We have a greater mission. On this planet, we have a mission to seek and save the lost, to bring people out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is the calling that we have. And these relationships are at stake because there are people who are in darkness. And if we make the relationships just about what we can get and how comfortable we can be, then we're going to forget about the people who are hurting and who are lost and who are stuck in darkness. Second Timothy. I read this and I was like, whoa, I did not think that this was going to have anything to do with my message. But I got to reading it a little bit more. 2 Timothy 1, 6-7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And I was thinking about this. I was like, hey, what is Paul talking about? He's at the end of his life. He's in jail. And he knows that he is li- he's, his life is about to end. What is he doing? Is he sitting there just being like, okay, do I write about how much people mean to me? Do I talk to them about, you know, how to, you know, how to live this life? No, he's commissioning the church that he's writing to. And he's saying, on my deathbed, the end of my life is near. It could be my last day today. And I'm going to tell you here what Paul said. Let me remind you to fan the flame of the gift that god has put inside of you and if you don't fan that flame we are not we are made in, 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 we don't have to be fearful it says this god did not give us a spirit of fear but of power and love and of sound sound mind self-control you know what if we are living in that fear and not receiving the gift that god for ha- has for us then we're just we're, we're not living life of purpose i said from the very beginning we have a greater mission we have a greater purpose and god wants to stir in us good gifts and love and all those good things and he is reminding you and i want to remind you that god has placed a gift inside of you so fan the flame of that gift because every single one of you have different gifts in this room on wherever you're watching from you have something to offer and to bring to the church and bring unity in church and when we're all working together we are we are reaching a world that is lost do you understand me? Do you hear this? Do you hear that God has us on mission? This is not about having good relationships that we can take pictures on with and so we can post on Instagram. This is so that we reach a dying world. And it's all about the song that we sing He turns graves into gardens. Remember how I said that? I, I, I want us to just be a healthy church. I, I see green. I just see green. It's my favorite color. But I also just see that that means joy. That means life. There's life here. I want our church to be green. I'm not trying to be like this really cool, relevant, you know, energy-efficient church with a cool building. That's not what I'm talking about. I want us to be so full of joy and so full and understanding that God has planted seeds, seeds of gifts in every single one of us in this room so that we can come together with his body and reach a dying world. Let's be a green church that recognizes God's gift on us, God's grace on us, grace for healing and for healing. Healing isn't just grace, but sometimes grace is empowering empowerment we have grace, we have zones we have we have grace zones that we can walk in and that's a gift that God's placed in you the church would be lost without it can we be a church can we be a church that fosters healthy relationships so that a dying world can come to know Him there's people in this room who are also thinking man you know I I hear what you're saying. I want healthy relationships, but my relationship with God is not right. And I believe that I need to get it straight here before I can get straight here and before I can even think about reaching other peoples for Jesus. And God's wanting to say to you right now, you might be sitting here or watching, feeling guilty, feeling full of shame, but God's saying to you, I want to forgive you. All you have to do is receive my healing, receive my grace. You are saved by grace, grace alone through faith. Believe that he can heal you. Believe that he can come to you. Let's, let's ask that he would not just be the Savior of our souls, but also the Lord of our lives. Amen? Amen. So why don't we bow our heads in here And if you are watching, you can keep watching but bow your heart. I believe that God is wanting to bring us closer to him, is wanting to pull us out of darkness into light. And some of you watching or in this room are thinking, man, there's darkness all around me and I have been lonely and I want to be set into a family and get out of this loneliness and build a community that's mission-driven is purpose-driven. And if that's you... Whether by clicking the link that we, we, we provide or here in the room, in your hearts or raising your hand. I just want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus into your life. And I'm telling you, he will change it. He will transform it. And there will be a hope that you've never known. So if you're in this room or if you're watching, repeat after me. If you want to receive Jesus into your life, repeat after me, Jesus. I accept you into my life. I believe that you died and you rose again so that I might have life. I confess my sins and I confess my need of you. Give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life that I might be part of partnering with you in the mission of bringing people out of the darkness into light. Thank you, Lord, for this journey. I love you. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer in this room or online, it's the most important decision you could have ever prayed or made and the most important prayer you could have ever prayed. But I also want to just end here with a with a rejoicing posture and to just say thank you God for pulling us out of darkness into light thank you God for bringing us from the grave into gardens gardens God has wanting us to be a garden did you hear that how that theme just totally perfectly worked out for me (laughs) so God is just saying that he wants to bring us out of our darkness he we are destined for death hell and the grave but he has put us into a family of God that can flourish, that can grow, that can be healthy, and that can feed people, and that can really liven up your soul. Amen? Come on, let's sing this last song I hope together. this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.